Hello there, and welcome to Fuds and Film. I'm Drew, with me today, Scott. Well, hello. And today we're going to be talking about some super duper, happy clappy, cheevy upbeat films. We thought we'd keep it light. Yes. Uh, now, since the atomic bombs have dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, for the rest of the 20th century, nuclear war and the whole idea of mutually assured destruction was much on people's minds. This is only an impression, but I get the idea that the peak time for the fear of that and the fear of nuclear war in the nine in the United States in particular was the 1960s, perhaps obviously coming from the the Cuban Missile Crisis thing. Hmm. Why? I don't know, but the impression I have is that that same period in Britain was the 1980s, when even though unknown to most of the Western world at the time, the USSR was in its death throes, 1980s seemed to be when people were particularly worried about nuclear war destroying Britain. Out of that came two films, the two films we are talking about today, coincidentally enough, which sought to look at the impact and particularly the aftermath of nuclear Armageddon. So, before we move on, Scott, though, was there any particular reason for this, feeling that we decided to do these two films of all films? No. There's no no anniversary, no impending fear of nuclear Armageddon, or yourself, or Craig, or anything, though? Not in particular, but I mean, I think in general the whole prospect of nuclear war went down quite significantly after the fall of the USSR. and Until a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, until certain uh, school children were given the, the keys to nuclear arsenals, uh, both here and abroad, uh, and seemed happy enough to tweet out the start of one, which yes. perhaps may have brought it to mind, and I think it brought it to mind from a few other people as well, because I heard threads starting to get mentioned around, and it's been a film that never uh, really goes away, I suppose, because it's uh, quite impactful to people, but uh, it seemed to be brought up a bit more often, uh, so yes. that way, why not? And it and When the Wind Blows are, are, are quite, I think, quite closely related and very British take on the... Armageddon. So, yeah, like, that reason alone. I just wondered what had been in the back of my mind when this was suggested was too, though, that for the first time in a long time, we felt that while a distant possibility, it suddenly felt like a possibility again. And never had in my life had it been, uh, because no. if this was the the feeling in 1980s Britain, yeah, I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember my parents ever talking about it or anything. But yes, with a couple of posturing, overgrown children with terrible haircuts and yes. <laughs> being, acting like absolute asshats. Yes, it's been back in people's minds, unfortunately. So I guess it's timely from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, well then, let's just begin with the one you mentioned, which is Threads. The happiest film you ever will see. Yes. Come with me and we'll go to a land of pure... Annihilation. Annihilation. Yes, Threads. So the first thing I suppose I should point out with Threads is that, thankfully, it's not a documentary. (laughs) We have somehow so far avoided the sort of catastrophic nuclear exchange that causes the end of the world as we know it. I say this not to point out the bleeding obvious, but more as an act of (laughs) self-assurance. It's the film introduction equivalent of sitting in a corner, hugging my knees, rocking back and forward and saying it's all just a nightmare. (laughs) This is necessary because Threads, in very large part, remains entirely plausible and entirely terrifying. We have to cast our minds back to the dark days of 1984, which wasn't, uh, admittedly, wasn't exactly peak Cold War tensions, but it's certainly much more of a concern than it is now. Uh, we're 
introduced to Sheffield at that point a major industrial centre of England so thanks to Maggie Thatcher for keeping us all safe by destroying industry never forget anyway there's also an Air Force base so its guards still marked we're introduced to Karen Meagher's Ruth and Reese Dinsdale's Jimmy young lovers contemplating marriage after an unplanned pregnancy uh, worrying about their parents reactions and the slight working and middle class divides between them while this kitchen sink drama plays out over a few weeks we also hear diegetic news reports of rising tensions in Iran a failed coup with Soviet Russia from Remember them and the US sticking the rowers in and some armed forces and having some boring old conventional weapons confrontations before some limited tactical nuclear exchanges. While Ruth and Jimmy are just trying to navigate their own lives, the geopolitics of it does impact them. Various anti-Soviet and anti-war protests break out, some led by trade unions, remember them, before being put down under a Government Emergency Powers Act. The government is also polishing up their contingency plans for what happens in the event of a proper nuclear war, with an expected breakdown of communications meaning an awful lot of power landing on the local council, which are a group of people that can barely organise garbage collection at the best of times, so I think we all see how this is going. Before long, the button is pushed and it's holocaust a go Focus remains split between Ruth and her family's efforts to survive the initial chaos, during which we'll see how well the government's plans hold up. Spoilers. Poorly. Before taking a longer and admittedly more speculative view of how society, if you can call it that, will rebuild the ruins of the old world. Now, this has glossed over an awful lot of exceedingly miserable statistics and details, <laughs> both for your and my sanity, dear listener. Like, a whole hour of chaos, depression, misery, horror, uh, told in a way that makes it feel like this is a documentary of something that's on the verge of happening. Uh, here's a film that ends on a rape victim giving birth to a stillborn baby and can't claim that that's the definitive low point of the film. Pretty low for sure, but there's some stiff competition here for most miserable vignette. Now, you'll have to watch it for yourself if you want the full effect, and the latter have plot details, and I'm not recommending that you do so, not because it's not an extraordinary film, it 100% is, but because I don't want the psychic toll this takes on the viewer being on my karma bill. Threads is, I think, a unique experience, and certainly one that shows off the effectiveness on the medium when done right. It boggles my mind that this was a BBC film. State broadcasters normally look to keep populations calm and reassure them that the government has them covered, and this rather explicitly does the opposite. Uh, thankfully, I did not see this on this initial viewing, uh, initial release, sorry, um, as it would literally have murdered the five-year-old me, and it still does a pretty solid number on a nearly 40-year-old uh, me. I've never really had to live with this sort of uh, the threat of this sort of thing, living on the edge of your awareness. It seems like it would suck. Um, this, this is a a million times more harrowing than you'd expect from a director that went on to do Volcano. Dreadful in the more traditional sense of the word. Yeah. Hell of a film. Yes. <laughs> also, ah, Holocaust a go-go, my favourite boss from Space Shadow 5. <laughs> yeah, this is... It's a rather remarkable thing because with the exception of one notable thing, nothing in this feels far-fetched. Hmm. It does, it is, in many ways, does, does, is, is, does, can't speak. <laughs> I've become like unbelievable people at the end of film. Uh, yeah, it, it has a, a very, very documentarian feel. Well, in parts, anyway. Yeah. Um, it's a strange mixture there. It's kind of like kitchen sink drama, but with sort of somewhere between documentary and public information film, and the two are sort of spliced together. Yeah. Weirdly works. Yes, it ought not to. <laughs> and I think that's they've made like a smart choice there. It's like there's nothing remarkable about the people in it. That's kind of the whole point. It's like yeah, here are some people, and there's the tension going on in the background. For most people, most of the time, it is just that it's background. Nobody thinks it's going to happen. 
yeah. nobody ever does. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and yeah, there's just like you know, people, they've got their own their own problems to worry about, like Ruth's unplanned pregnancy and and the things like that, having to get jobs and, and just friends and just regular life and all this is in the background and then the whole world gets turned upside down by <laughs> the yeah, the statistics that keeps mentioning it to like in the end, two hundred and ten megatons fall in the UK. <laughs> Crikey. Um yes. but yeah, it does feel it's what's so key about it is it feels realistic. Yeah. For the most part in terms of like it, what happens and the way people react and then people sort of trying to organise the planning after it, but sort of being stymied by having not had enough time and also every line of communication basically being broken. Hmm. Uh, and, and the realisation that there's no possible way that this could be prepared for. No, absolutely uh, not. It, it, is, it is the end of everything. And the way that it kind of pushes that through when these poor council people who are, everyone's just trying to do their best, but uh, there's just no way to square this circle. There's just nothing like enough resources to go around for anything. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying because it feels very real. <laughs> there's a couple of statistics. And again, that's a, it's really well researched. Um, and it's, it's so highly regarded as being like by so many different types of scientists too, like, yeah, this is really realistic. I was like, how yeah. go? And there's no way to know, obviously, and let's hope we never find out. Mm-hmm. But they say, you get the statistics thrown up on screen, like between 12 and 20, is it 12, between 12, 30 million people in the UK alone dead within the yeah. first couple of weeks, uh, mostly from fallout. And then there's all the environmental problems that happen afterwards, but there's even like in the short run, there, there simply isn't enough food. Um, and there's no way to grow any new food. And then first, you've got nuclear winter and it affects the harvests. And then it says to the really shocking thing, because uh, most people aren't ill most of the time, that's why health services work. Yes. <laughs> most people don't need to go to them. But when basically everybody in the country needs it all at the same time because a nuclear missile has just dropped, or several hundred nuclear missiles have dropped in the country. And then it says that the health service wouldn't be, the entire health service wouldn't be able to cope with the number of people injured just in the Sheffield bomb. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's horrifyingly realistic and absolutely does not shy away from anything of people being burned alive, burned babies, rats eating dead bodies and things. It's, it, yeah. it's not beat about the bush. It's like, yep, if this happened, this would be horrific, like beyond what you can imagine. Yes, um, and it is. It's just it's a it's an absolutely absorbing film. Yeah, you, you can't look away from it, even though you no, very much you want to. Want to yeah. <laughs> uh, it's one of those films you probably couldn't use the word enjoyable about. But now you're not everything needs to be enjoyable. But certainly, it's worthy, worthwhile, fascinating, and terrifying too. The only I really like it's even that that strange mishmash as I mentioned of documentary and. Sort of drama, it mm-hmm. does work. The only real problem I have with the entire film is the bit that within fifteen years people have forgotten how to speak. Yeah, that that seems silly. That I mean, has uh, always bothered me. I mean, I, I I suppose it's trying to get home the point that there's not enough time to educate people, but people still talk. Yes, that's how that's humans it. work. That's exactly <laughs> that's the thing. It's like okay, people maybe not know how to spell or things. There's not a lot of time for education because everyone needs to be working the land all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's like yeah, people still talk to each other. 
that's how people learned languages for thousands of years. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the whole writing of things came way, way later. People yeah. still spo- speak to each other. So unless people don't speak, then um, <laughs> then yeah, you're going to um, have uh, people just speaking normally. I mean, dialects might be different. I mean, you'd have different slangs and stuff. People would still speak, not in this weird, broken pidgin English that they're speaking in. Yeah. That's just the only flaw I can find with this film. It's like... It's the only bit that doesn't ring true, or people start yeah. speaking to each other. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm it, it's certainly getting more speculative as it gets sort of further out from the initial impact. But uh, yeah, all the stuff before that seems just worryingly plausible, <laughs> and uh, all the more terrifying for it. it. It's still a film that did a number of me. I can't, I can't remember. I must have watched this what, twenty years ago or something like that, and. When I watched it the other week there, um, I remember every bit as vividly as now as it did then. It's uh, highly impactful and um, mortifying, really. Um, as, a, as, a, as I say, it's, it's hard to actually recommend that someone watches this because it's really miserable. But at the same time, it's incredibly impactful and I think is a is a, a documentary, is a little sort of slice of where society was. I mean, imagine having to deal with that, thinking that this could happen at any point. Yeah, and still going about your normal things. I mean, ugh, no, um, yeah, uh, an interesting little window into that aspect of humanity. Yeah, it's got the point of like it's just like imagine that this could happen, and like, how do you just go on? You're like, if this could happen, like, just what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have to kind of immunize yourself against the the idea of all this horrible stuff happening because you'd just be absolutely paralyzed otherwise. But yeah, what's the point? I may as well just stop now. We're all going to die horribly anyway. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. And yeah, to think this is produced on a budget of £400,000 as a TV film to screen on BBC Two, one point in 1984. It's so, <laughs> so incredibly affecting and effective. And mm-hmm. nothing like well enough loan. Eh, loan? Well, nothing like well enough known, I think. No, no. Hugely interesting, and um, I'm, I'm sure everyone that's seen it remembers it, but uh, how well it spreads outside of Britain, I don't know. It's not something that really shows up on TV all that often, I guess, for entirely understandable reasons. Um, but yeah, if you're outside of the UK, you've not heard of this, um, I heartily recommend you track it down. It's not that difficult, and give it a look. Uh, you won't thank me for it at all, but <laughs> you'll probably agree that it was at least uh, a, a very powerful and compelling film. Absolutely. Yes, but just don't blame us. Yeah, it's not our fault, we didn't make it uh, So we'll move on to the, I guess, comparatively cheerier When the Wind Blows Drew, cheer me up a bit I, I sense already we may have different opinions on this next film, Scott <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't know anything about When the Wind Blows Then I doubt the opening would clue you in at all There may be some news footage at the very beginning But the relatively upbeat David Bowie title song Allows it to be mm. dismissed as being like a music video this footage then gives way to an animation in the distinctive style of Raymond Riggs, best known for Fungus the Bogeyman, and particularly the warm Christmas time stalwart the Snowman, notable, <laughs> amongst other things, for its near total lack of nuclear war. <laughs> yes, it's one of its primary characteristics. <laughs> yes. uh, certainly there's nothing to suggest that this is about the arrival of some missiles into the UK bringing with them Megadeth. Death comes in particular to a sleepy Sussex village where our protagonist Jim and Hilda live. Jim and Hilda are, how to put this kindly, dippy bastards. <laughs> With not the strongest grasp on current events and some very odd ideas indeed about the likability of Joseph Stalin and how <laughs> actually World War II was a good time. 
Jim in particular also has some very odd ideas about the differences between men and women. <laughs> Putting faith in the government to know what it's all about, Jim sets about following a government-issued preparation leaflet and builds a shelter in his living room from doors, while his wife seems even more reality-detached and ill-informed as him, and seems generally more concerned about the wallpaper than being burnt to cinders by nuclear <laughs> fire. After the missile strike of the country, Jim and Hilda continue to have little to no concept of the facts, and so go about the business of slowly succumbing to radiation sickness. The existence of this film was, I am pretty certain, entirely unknown to me until we came to organise this episode, so I'm coming to it entirely fresh, and my primary thought is, who was this for? Yes. <laughs> the fact that it's by Raymond Briggs and it's animated immediately suggests it's for children. But it can't be, because I'm sure a few children are, <laughs> I'm sure a few children are going to understand Cold War tension and the symptoms of radiation overdose. <laughs> or indeed get much benefit from seeing an elderly couple slowly die for an unseen killer. In you know, for kids. <laughs> yes. um, in many ways, it feels like a public information film. As for much of its length, Jim is seen quoting from and referring to the government guidelines. Yet, no. Not least because more than once it critically points out disparities between local and central government advice. And also, public information films really get the feature film treatment. <laughs> so, does that leave us a Drama for adults? I guess? Or maybe a black comedy? Certainly, it seems to be trying in many points for humour, but in all but a handful it fails completely. Even otherwise absurd moments like the duo donning large paper bags that once contained potatoes. I think for me, much of why I did not enjoy this film at all is that it, Jim and Hilda are idiots. Not everyday folk a little unsure if confused or what to do in the event of such unprecedented calamity. Not people so rattled by the catastrophe and unwilling or unable to cope in the aftermath. No, the film almost seems to take pains to present Jim and Hilda's thick before the bombs drop, and as the fallout descends, so it seems does their IQ. Not a film I could recommend watching, I'm afraid, this one for me, Scott. I always thought of them as being characters that are old to the point of dementia. That's why they keep getting mixed up. That's why their times keep slipping. That's why they keep thinking they're somehow back in World War Two and all that stuff. Um, and that's that maybe not necessarily excuses, but explains a lot of what they're saying and what's going on. That's a possibility, certainly. But although it makes it a really odd choice to show a couple of a old couple with dementia slowly yeah. being killed by radiation sickness as the plot of your film. I mean, the central point of what you're saying there is still entirely valid. It's a weird film and I'm not sure who it's for. That's kind of why I've always remembered it. Because I, I think I saw this when I was young-ish, like uh, 16, 15, something like that, when it showed up. And I probably just stumbled upon it and going, well, that looks a bit like Snowman. And you watch a little bit and go, well, this isn't the Snowman at all. This, this is strange. Um, and it becomes a, a very damning critique of the more... The, the advice given where you'd be able to... Like how you could survive a nuclear apocalypse by putting a couple of doors up against the wall, so that's going to affect anything. Uh, the preparations that you couldn't that couldn't possibly done. And what what's what effective about it this time round is if you are out in the sticks, if the communications down and there's no one around to get that to let you know what's happening, the absolute terror of not even knowing what's going around uh, would be almost as scary as actually being in the thick of things. I mean, I, I'm sure I said, but the, the the characters are out in the country somewhere so they're not immediately killed by nuclear explosion but uh, they're still close enough I would guess to get all the, the negative aspects of that, the fallout and radiation sickness and all that stuff. So between that and not having anyone around them 
they seem to be up in a hill in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so there's no information coming to them at all, and that's almost as terrifying as uh, the information that would be coming to them as well, I suppose. Yeah, I, I still, I just find it's an interesting film, and it's a strange film to make. It's, it's not, again, it, it's hard to recommend. It's almost worth watching only as a bizarre counterpoint to The Snowman because it's something that's so <laughs> fondly remembered as a kid classic and seen something that is so similar in style and execution but entirely different <laughs> aspects and point uh, gives it some, I would think some interest to people who are of the same kind of age as us but yeah, it's it's not the most, uh, yeah, it's definitely a much harder film to recommend than uh, The Threads is if you're in the market for some mid-80s glum uh, <laughs> nuclear holocaust survival uh, <laughs> it's, it's certainly uh, the least interesting of the two uh, I still really enjoyed the animation style um, It's but, a strange mix but, of the very big style and then some sort of model shots and bit stop motion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it, it does. I think look quite effective uh, for all that. But yes, uh, as a, a tale of two buffoons surviving the apocalypse, it's, it's perhaps less interesting uh, than Threads by a long chalk. Um, perhaps not worth going out of your way to watch, I would suppose. But I still think there's something of interest in there. Um, I still think it has some interesting things to say. The Probably the critical issue with it in terms of this podcast is that there's not really anything that it says that's not better said in threads uh, beforehand that uh, covers the, the kind of inadequacy of your know, preparations to survive and you know government preparations for Holocaust and this kind of thing. Um, all that's covered much more effectively in threads. So you may as well just watch that. <laughs> so. I I clearly didn't hate it as much as you did. I don't know if that's because I had a bit more uh, nostalgia for it, having seen this a, a good long while ago. But uh, yes, it's it, it's certainly nothing like as essential viewing as uh, Threads is. Yeah, curiously, the whole dementia thing absolutely didn't occur to me while watching this. But when you say that, it suddenly makes the film make a whole lot more sense. At least those characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really bothering me, but that that makes sense, and particularly to. When you have things that, when like, they just seem so scatty after. But again, it's not really setting them apart from how it was before, because the film almost, I say, almost seems it pains to set them up as that beforehand. But when they're saying, uh, "I'll just pop down to the shop," hmm. but if they really were that confused, would they not have gone to the shop? I said, I think quite. It didn't seem to make an awful lot of sense their, their actions and inactions. Like, oh, hmm. um, there's been this bomb. Uh, the government will make it right. Also, uh, we need this time. I'll pop down to the shop, and like, but not being aware that the shop would be there, having some faith that it would be, but they never seemed to actually go. So it's it's a bit weird in that terms. But even if I say it, it, that makes a lot of the character make a lot of sense in some uh, regard. Okay, so then I'm taking on board your idea of seeing it like that. But at the same time, and as you said, you're good with it. It makes it even more harder. Like, What's who's the audience of this? And what's the point of that? It's like, what what are you supposed to learn from a couple who, if if they they are suffering from dementia or something like that, uh, what is there to learn from that? Because they wouldn't be able to cope with anything, let alone nuclear yeah. war. It's, it's not representative of anybody. No, no. There's a lot, lot, awful lot of lessons to take away from when the wind blows, other than nuclear war would be bad. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bad times for all. But There's a quote here um, from Rotten Tomatoes from critic Barry Lapham, who called it absolutely brilliant. It was very subtly done, but the message more than gets through well. I no. don't think Barry Lapham's a very clever man, because what message? And what what message gets through? There is no message. <laughs> and okay, so, 
I looked up the entry for this on Wikipedia just for hoping for some if like somebody had said something like this these characters are supposed to be this or something like that. I can't find anything like that. But this is once again <laughs> this has nothing to do with the film, it's more just Wikipedia's written by people who haven't a clue about anything, it seems. It's saying here that it's highly it's implied that their son has fallen into fatalistic despair. No. There's one to you, like the dad phones the son and says, um, well, you should get prepared for this. And it seems to me that the son just thinks it isn't going to happen. Or if mm. it does, there's nothing much you could do about it. But that's very, very far away from fatalistic despair. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people are getting entirely different things out of this film than I did. Yes, and even if he did fall into fatalistic despair, he was right to do so. Yes. Um, <laughs> but all you hear, like, say you like, only hear one half of the conversation, but the idea seems to be like, yeah, there's no point in making the shelter. Don't be silly, it's not going to happen. Not like, yeah. oh, we're all doomed. Because yeah. he's laughing at them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, I suppose there's some interest in this film, particularly <laughs> if you're familiar with The Snowman or The Snow Dog, or you ever, like, you read Fungus and Bogeyman growing up or something, because it's. Absolutely not what you might expect yes. from Raymond Briggs, <laughs> and it's interesting from that point of view. And I can't know there are bits in it that are clearly meant to be humour, and I laughed a couple of times. But like the like the really absurdist bit of like, well, we should have paper bags. Why do we have paper bags? I don't know. But then they're getting really <laughs> ill, and they put the paper bags on the bottom of their head, and like. <laughs> but now I'm thinking to him, and it didn't amuse me at all. I was like, what? Well, what is this? Why are you doing that? That's, are you trying for absurd humour? Again, if you're right about them suffering from dementia, then that's just cruel. Mm. Like, what you're suggesting there should be humour <laughs> in the fact that they're, they're, they're so demented that they're putting paper bags on their head. Oh, yeah, that's... That has... If, again, assuming that you're right about that, Scott, that has answered many questions and created a whole set of different ones <laughs> about yes. this film. I don't know what's going on with this. Just to, to to move away from the story and go more to the production too. Animation about nuclear war by the person who wrote The Snowman and it has a soundtrack by David Bowie, Roger Waters and Genesis. That's odd. Naturally, yes. There's, there's not really anything about this film that's not odd. Yeah. Um, there's just, it, It's very much a, a series of questions that no one was asking. Uh, but, but now we have the answer to them and now we just need to back calculate what that question was and then we're looking all be happy about it. <laughs> Yes, a, a really, really strange film. A number of levels. I was, I, I mean, I like it. I was, I was quite glad to go and watch it again. Um, but I don't think I would ever return to it after this. Uh, it's only interesting by virtue of the various weird things that are happening around it and the people who made it and the, the kind of style that it is and it being so different from other uh, films that he's done. And it is of itself, as an artifact, in isolation, not all that compelling and certainly nothing like his highly recommended as threads would be this is just a, a curiosity for anyone who happens to have some sort of nostalgia for the snowman and such like that this this would make an interesting little counterpoint to it uh, but certainly not highly recommended yes a very odd piece indeed yes <laughs> i wonder how this would affect you if you'd watched this as a child i'm not sure it would affect you because i'm not kind of convinced i would have known what was going on i'm not going to understand the, the symptoms of radiation sickness but we do know one person who was as a kid, Scott. Yes, uh, some feedback on the Twitters. Uh, Tingushi, at Tingushi. Uh, gods, when the wind blows, I've never recovered from seeing that as a kid. Yes, uh, I suppose it would be harrowing, particularly if you did sit down watching it and go, oh, this must be another thing like the snowman, and then yes. you get this. <laughs> it's pretty grim. Yes, pretty grim indeed. So maybe next time we'll actually cover something that's actually happy. Uh, but... 
I think that will wrap us up for today and we can all go back and go to bed and hug our knees and hope that none of this ever actually happens thank you very much for your attention uh, until next time if you would like to get in touch with us on the Twitters you can do so that's at Fuds on Film over there or you can do so through the emails at podcast at fudsonfilm.com I shall bid you adieu and I'm sure that Drew Tavendale shall do too fare thee well mm-hmm.